Greetings, Mets fans. This is Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm Chris McShane. I'm your host this week. And co-hosting with me this week is Greg Karam. Greg, how's it going? I'm doing good, Chris. How you doing? Good, good. It's been a while since I've uh, filled in for Jeff here. I usually try to make some sort of comparison. I, I don't have one. I, I was away all weekend. So I, I, I'm just not Jeff Paternostro. That's... Yeah. I'm your host, not Jeff Paternostro, and with me this week. <laughs> yeah, you know, based on the uh, the way most of the emails are started, I feel like, you know, it's Jeff and not Jeff, or Jeff and Cocktail, as we'll get to uh, later on, neither of which are present, and I we apologize for that in advance. But we will still answer your questions, so don't don't shut off the podcast. Uh there, there's some good advice. Your regular host isn't here. Don't shut off the podcast. <laughs> Everyone's very disappointed right now. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so here we are. Mets are off. We're recording this Monday night. Um, they've won four games in a row coming off that terrible losing streak. So as far as baseball calendar weeks go, they actually had a pretty good week. Uh, at least they won more games than they lost. You know, they're back over 500. They've not hit lately, but that hasn't really mattered because the, the four pitchers that everybody's excited about pitched well on back-to-back-to-back-to-back days. So, Yeah, so it's, it's – <clears throat> even though you know, not that much has actually changed other than you know, Steven Matt's coming up, but I mean, the offense still can't hit. They can still pitch the shit out of the ball, um, and but you know just lined up that they won a couple games. So you know things that, like you've seen a lot lately. You know things are never as bad as you know your last loss, and are never as good as your last win. Um, but I think that holds true in this case. I mean, this is this is not a terrible baseball team. You know, it's uh, it's probably around ish five hundred ish baseball team. You know. Yeah, one thing I've kind of been thinking recently or i was thinking during the the break uh sorry during the streak the losing streak yeah um was that it's kind of funny the mets are playing with a record that i think most people would have said was a reasonable expectation at this point in the season uh and and that might they might have thought that at the time that you thought david wright you know Ah, maybe a hamstring will come up or whatever but you thought he'd play 120 or 130 games i don't think that was outlandish Right. Um, you know, and then going back a ways, you might have thought Zach Wheeler was going to be in the rotation. And every team has injuries and all that, but I don't know. You have the Mets here hovering around 500. They hovered the, in the wrong direction uh, not long ago. But they're kind of doing what they what we thought they would do, despite the absences. Right. And, but it's it's the way it's the way in which they've gone about it. Right. You know, yeah. you, where you're 14 to five or whatever it is, and you know you're in first place and you're all excited, or at least just waiting for the other shoe to you know drop, and then it does drop. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, if you know, if if you told us at the beginning of the season that this is where they would be at this point, you'd be like, oh, you know what, that makes sense. But you, know, you look at it, all these guys in the DL, and you're you're just you're worried, you're nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's uh, and and that that is definitely understandable. Um, but it, it's just I kind of have this idea that since the Nationals are underperforming, the Mets 
inability to overperform, I think <laughs> might have people more frustrated. It is kind of annoying that they've had a ton of injuries, but we've also, you know, the Mets have also had a ton of injuries. So it's just, if, if the Mets were healthy right now, <clears throat> they say like, you know, Darno is healthy and Wright and Murphy, they're all healthy right now. This team would definitely be scoring enough runs to probably be giving the Nationals a run for their money for the first place. Uh, that, that's the frustrating part of it. Yeah, yeah, and then the fact that they're that close right now, I don't know. It's uh, it's still kind of surprising. But, yeah, that Darno has been the best hitter on the team when healthy. It's just when healthy has been the, the big part of that. And, right. uh, yeah, well, you know. Well, part of me was also hoping that because every Monday, I think Wright meets with the doctors. So uh, every Monday, I'm I'm just hoping, you know, checking my Twitter feed, hoping that he's cleared for baseball activities. So as we record this on a Monday, it doesn't look like uh, he's been he's been cleared. But one day, that might happen, and that's going to be very exciting when it does. Yeah, you know, and I'm more worried. I think with him and. Uh, I'm more worried in terms of games played than the result of what happens when he plays in the games. You know, I, I think, uh, look, obviously in the, in the short and long term, you can't say that that pain will have no effect on his play, but I still feel like his career has been underrated sometimes even by Mets fans, but just generally, uh, you know, the guy can hit, he might not be a gold glove fielder all around, but he, there are certain things he does on defense that Eric Campbell and, and Daniel Murphy uh, and even Ruben Tejada, who's who's a decent defender at short, but when he's played third, those guys aren't, you know, they're right. not necessarily making plays that David Wright would make. And, you know, when, when offense has been bad, defense uh, is even more important. Yeah, and even if he's just got limited range or – is just kind of like a step in a dive kind of player. He'd still be an upgrade over what they're throwing out there now. And yeah, the fact the, the the thing that it concerns me is that it's still on the table. It's possible that he doesn't get back on the field at some point. Everyone keeps saying that he is, but the fact that he's so desperately needed right now and he's not be able to even start baseball activities does have me uh, concerned. Yeah, and even though you have this. You know, he's the captain of the team. He's he's more mature. You know, when you hear him talk about this sort of stuff, uh, I'm I'm to be clear, I am not calling any professional athlete from afar immature or mature. <laughs> but uh, we don't do that here. But uh, but I think that's sort of what you took from what he said about this injury that he's older. I think he said it about the hamstring, actually. But, you know, he's a little older now. He's learned his lessons. You know, a small injury. He didn't want to stay in the game and make it two months instead of, you know, three or four weeks, whatever they expected at the time. So, you know, I know he's said that, but he still – if there were a way for him to play baseball this week, right. I, I'm sure he would do it. Right. And the fact that he's not is a little concerning. But um... – I don't know how we got sidetracked just talking about David Wright and his injury. I feel like we're being a little too much of a downer after, you know, the Mets just won four in a row and they're, what are they, two games out of the wild card? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're right there. You know, yeah. Right, right there in the hunt. They're close uh, with the, with the Cubs in that race. So that series is 
important here. Yeah. Coming up, but yeah, I don't know. We can kind of mimic the Mets, and we can we can briefly go over the terrible offense, <laughs> and then we can come out of that with nice things about pitching. <laughs> and I've been, you know, each week on the side I write, I do the meters. Yep. And uh, you know, doing that week after week after week every year, you know, especially within a season, you can you start to pick up on some things and you know it's very rare that everybody's going good or everybody's going bad uh and over over this stretch i mean as of i think i think as of june 10th roughly the mets offense uh you know by by way to runs created plus which is probably the best thing we have to measure um they had been good uh compared to other major league teams and then since that point They've just been dreadful, and they've had almost everybody's been in a slump at the same time. And even when you have guys who might not be uh, projected to be superstar hitters, it's kind of mind-boggling to have that many guys hit that poorly all at the same time. You're looking at guys like even Duda is not hitting. His slugging percentage is down to 447. He was slugging well over 500 earlier in the year. You had a guy like Tejada was really hot, and he's he's cooled off. Um, Wilmer Flores, I can't remember the last time he's hit a home run. Uh, you know, Darno's not in. Murph's not in. Lagaris just, I don't know what's going on with Lagaris. Um, and, like, every, I think about, like, two weeks ago, I was talking about Dylan Herrera and how I thought he was a bright spot or whatever. And now he's hitting 195, so. Right. Yeah, he's got the <laughs> podcast cursed on that on that one, but. Yeah. But, yeah, you look, you, you know, and not to, uh, the, not to scoop my regular series here, but you look at the last seven days and uh, the, the leaders by WRZ Plus on this team uh, two of the top four are pitchers, and we'll get to Steven Matz because he deserves recognition for his uh, his debut in, in more ways than that. But when two of the top four are starting pitchers, that's not good. Uh, almost everybody else, there were a couple like, all right, that was decent performances in the mix there. And again, almost everybody else just didn't hit, you know. Duda, Plawecki, Mayberry, Kadire, and I. I'm a I'm a Kadire fan. I. It, you are. <laughs> but I, I will not. I will not defend. <clears throat> uh, I will not defend performances when he hits 105 with a 150 on base for for a week. Uh, wow! I, I just noticed that his on base is below 300. It's 299 right now. Yeah, no, and he's. You know, he got off to a slow start. He had a pretty good month of May. And he, I think he was still. He's, he, he might have had a few good games early in in June. And and I'll go. I'll, I'll check that out. Uh, but I think. But whatever. Whenever that sort of everybody went into a something hit, yeah. uh, he just he, like fell off a cliff. And I know. I know the strikeouts. Rough. The strikeouts are up. That's been the case since uh, since early in the season. Um, let's see. Yeah, early June. All right, <clears throat> through June sixth, he was still at a three thirty two on base percentage, which isn't outstanding, but it's above average, you know, by uh, the standards of baseball in twenty fifteen. Uh, since he peaks at that, oh, this is gonna be ugly. His on base oh percentage God. is two hundred. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
Yeah, yeah his, his month of June is, is a slash of 216, 242, 318. It's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, so I'm... <clears throat> Yeah, uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I'm not happy. I think actually, you know what? Uh, I, if we're if we're talking curses, which none of which I actually believe in, but if we're talking curses, yeah. uh, I think since the day I bought the Katire shirt, sure. yeah, I think it was. I think it's been downhill ever since then. <clears throat> it might have marked the top. <laughs> yeah, it certainly hasn't been uphill. Uh, let's see. So Friday was the twenty sixth. Go back. What, they were home against the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was that the game? I think it was. I, should, well, I, 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 hope, I hope you're not buying a Granderson jersey anytime soon. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, he, he has been the bright spot. So we can, we can talk about him instead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's nice that he's actually. I mean, if you look at his where he is right now, I, I don't. He's not probably not going to finish here, but he's at two fifty nine, three fifty seven, four forty five, and that is that that will play. That is that is excellent. Um, you know, he's right. He's right around where Duda is in terms of weighted on base. So <clears throat> that's been a bright spot. It's been exciting. I mean, because defense hasn't really been that great, and people have been challenging his arm all year. And uh, it's nice to see that he's actually able to. He's got 13 home runs. It's, you know, he's on pace for like close to 30. So it's been yeah. good. Yeah, you know, and I think I think as Mets fans, we're just so. And it's not that Jason Bay has been the only guy to to go through this. You know, they've had bad signings over the years. Mo Vaughn wasn't much better, but uh, I, I think there's sort of this fear that the new acquisition <laughs> just is going to plummet. Especially after Bay, uh, right? You know, and Granderson. Even last year, it, it certainly wasn't a fantastic year, but he was still above league a- average as a hitter. And you know, it, guys that have a long track record like that, I know there's the aging curve. I know things can happen to a, a baseball player in his his mid to late thirties. Um, you know, whether it's Granderson or Kadire. But when the track record is is good. <laughs> Over a long time, you know, I, I, I'm still not willing to write a guy off. So I'm happy yeah. to see I'm happy to see Granderson doing what he's doing. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, it's it's good. You know, it gives you hope. I mean, obviously, we're we're marking the top right now, but it, it does give you hope that the you know, the rest of the contract isn't going to be a you know albatross the way it's it was kind of looking. Um, a little bit earlier in the season because, I mean, his defense was falling off a cliff. His home runs, his power was down. It was just, it wasn't looking good. But, you know, you feel a little better about it right now. Yeah. And, hey, I mean, a guy who gives you, he's at 13 home runs now. He had 20 last year. You know, you. you yeah. It's not roughly, nothing. Yeah, roughly, hey, if, if he can get to 25, that's that's a serious number of home runs now. Yeah, especially these days, yeah. You know, you have your elite class, Giancarlo, who might still hit 50, even though he broke a bone, you know, yeah. broke, broke his hand. Uh, we'll see how long he's out. But, the, you know, you have a guy like him who's a monster and a few other guys who, who might be up near there. But, you know, 30 home runs is not uh, – that, that's not the norm. 
anymore. Not at all. No. So. I was I was shocked to see uh, Nolan Arenado. He's got 23 home runs uh, at this point. He must have just had a hot week or something because he came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that that's uh... that's always a season's worth of home runs right there. It's not something. Uh, I'd like to see a Met, you know, just kind of break out like that <laughs> one of these days. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, he, he Arnado and Todd Frazier, both. Yeah. You know, they've had, uh, Frazier's probably had a slightly better, you know, career overall and, and hit for power before, but they've both hit for power in a way that they really never did. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, Arenado, man, that, that's a player. Total package right there. Yeah, that that defense with real power. Uh, I think the phrase is that'll play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, so Granderson's good. Yep. And and the pitching has been good. It's been outstanding. I mean, the Mets, even with seven runs scored. Uh, in the second game on on Sunday, or, or the you know the full game on Sunday, they still averaged just over three runs a game in the four <laughs> wins. But you had Degrom throw a gem, and Syndergaard follow up with one of his own, and Harvey uh, as well. Yep. And then Stephen Matz comes out and makes his debut, and uh, has a debut that very very few players have had. Uh, and that's players, not just pitchers. <laughs> right. I mean, it's one of yeah. It's one of the best games anyone's ever had for the Mets. Uh, I, I I haven't looked at like his you know, win probability added or anything like that, but uh, it was a pretty special game to watch. You you wait for these guys. I, I mean, I've seen, I've watched. I think I've watched everybody's debut so far, and um, I mean, he's he's the first one that debuted at home, I believe. Unless Syndergaard did, I don't remember. Um, uh, but, no, I'm pretty. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he was on the road. Yeah, but we, we, should, <clears throat> we should know that off the top yeah. of our heads. But th- I, we'll go with it. They were all they all debuted on the road until him. Yeah, so it was it was just <laughs> it was just it was very exciting to watch him uh, get to debut at home in front of all of his family and friends. I, I didn't actually watch the game live because I had a I had a run out, but um, I, I did DVR it. I went back and watched it, and just like the, the clips of his fan his uh family reacting to to all of his uh hits it was just it was a fun game to watch uh even on the tape delay oh yeah and uh well full disclosure i was away for the weekend <laughs> so i i was you know i was checking in and everything but i wasn't watching games live and i still haven't had the chance i i do want to just go back on mlb tv and watch as much as i can of that match start uh, but, but I've seen the video of his grandfather, uh, it's on, it's on the site. It's, it's, uh, people seem to absolutely love it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for a guy to do that, uh, all, all in one and, and to, to overshadow what Syndergaard did in the game where he hit the home run, uh, right. you know, that that's, I didn't think that was something that was going to happen this year. Yeah, and and just just to speak to his his pitching performance, I mean, what you saw, or you the audience saw uh, watching, 
Mats is is exactly what you saw in the minors. I mean, this this guy can run his fastball up to ninety seven when he needs it, and he's got that's kind of slow breaking curveball, but he's able to throw it for strikes, and his changeup is is pretty freaking good. Uh, I, I like it. I like it more than I like Syndergaard's. So it's just it, it's nice to see that what he was doing in the minors is translating so far in in the pros. And that I can get those guys out too, uh, so I, I'm excited about Mets. Um, very excited. Yeah, it's hard not to be, and yeah. it's uh, you know right now with the six man rotation, you know two thirds of the Mets starts are are very much uh, worth tuning in for. And you know, and I and I still love Bartolo uh, and. You know, Nice. Nice has been better lately, but you know, they're four out of the six are guys who, you know, you feel like you, you, if you don't see it live, you either want to DVR it or get get back and see it at some point because they're just, uh, they're all that good. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's like it's appointment viewing for a right. lot of these guys. Yeah. But, which is uh, which is fun. It gives you even if they even if you know it gives them something they'd be excited about. You know, whenever Harvey's playing pitching, I'm excited. But now it's like Harvey, Degrom, Syndergaard, Mets. I'm excited, uh, you know, to watch those games. Yeah, I, and I feel like Harvey's starts have maybe lost a little bit of their shine uh, just because there's you have all of these options now. You know. Yeah, I still I still get very disappointed whenever Harvey gives up his first hit of the night because I always feel. Of those four guys, um, I really feel like Harvey's the guy who's the biggest threat to throw a no hitter any night. Yeah, yeah, and that that's that is fair. I mean, I still think he's the best pitcher. Of and I know Degrom. Degrom has been the best pitcher so far this year. Yep. And he very well. I mean, he's been so good now for long enough that it might almost be hard for Harvey to catch up to him. But. uh yeah, you know the kind of that traditional question. Say they're in the wild card game. Who who's starting that game for me? It's still Matt Harvey. That is interesting. Um... And, and it, well, I'm assuming this wild card game takes place when it takes place, not tomorrow. Yeah, not tomorrow. Right. Yeah. They, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Then. Yeah. I mean, hey, I, I'll 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 take Degrom, and I probably. <laughs> I'd probably be fine with if you're in a spot that it, you know, oh no, it has to be Syndergaard or Mats, you know. Uh, Bartolo is the one guy uh, that I would. Uh, he he is last on my list. I think I'd I'd take Nice in in one game, do or die. I think I would take Nice over him. Wow, he's falling off your. Uh, wow, he's falling down off the radar. It's just it's 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 not it's it's. Yeah, when, he's just getting bad, bombed. Right when it's bad, it's so bad, and yeah. you know, even, even if you get. Darno back and you know some semblance of David Wright back. Uh, even then, you just you know if it's one game do or die, you can't afford to have a guy get shelved. Yeah, I don't think he'll be in the. Well, at least I hope he won't be in the postseason rotation if there is a postseason rotation. Yeah, hey, that that would be a good problem to have if we're talking about more than one postseason pitcher. Yeah, things have gone well. Yes, very well. Yes. But uh, but yeah, that so there's all, you know, there's abundance of 
young starting pitching that's now all at the major league level, uh, plus the fact that they were able to hold on to G and nobody, no other team just took him for free. Um, you know, he is a legitimate depth option. You know, I, I, he's not, he was never going to be as good as he was for those 31 or two starts from the Yankee stadium start over the, like a rough calendar year. Yeah. You know, he was never going to be that good again, but he, he's also not almost six ERA bad. Right. 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 He's like, he's better than a replacement level pitcher. Yeah. And, and that's pretty good to have as your sixth starter or seventh starter. Right. And so now you're in this spot where all of the most exciting young pitchers are up aside from Wheeler being out, but, uh, you know, the, the rest of them are up. Six man rotation probably can't really work forever. I mean, you can keep going with it, but it just doesn't seem completely necessary. Uh, so now we're starting to hear that John Neese is possibly on the radar of some other teams. You know, Ken Rosenthal clarified, I think, earlier today that, you know, the Dodgers and Mets haven't spoken about John Neese. Um, you know, and I'm not sure if there was any update similar to that with the Cubs and the Mets, but, you know, those two teams have certainly been mentioned as, as potential suitors uh, for Nice. So, yeah, what, that would what, be interesting. What, what's kind of the best return you can imagine getting for John Neese in 2015? It's, it's kind of weird because I've seen some of the deals I've seen on, on Twitter or whatever, they, they almost just want to get rid of Neese's contract like it's, like it's a huge albatross. And I, I, can, I can see that. Like they want to trade it. I've seen people floating like Jimmy Rollins for John Neese. And... That's a risky trade because Jimmy Rollins kind of sucks right now, and he's old, and so he might actually suck um, as compared to what he's done in the past. And that that would be kind of a salary dump, I feel, right? Because like he doesn't have – no, he's on his last year of his contract. So um, I think Nice has a little bit more value than that, but like I don't know if you're going to get a good major leaguer back. Like, you're going to get like, maybe an average uh, player back and – that actually might help <laughs> the Mets. Um, but I, I don't really necessarily see anyone be also being willing to take on that that contract as well because, I mean, he's owed a lot of money next year. Um, but he's still a decent major leaguer. I'm going back and forth. Um, yeah, I think uh, with Nice, I think the thing that gets me the most still is the long history of injury scares that you know i don't know i just feel like at some point it's so funny because I, I feel the same way but then when you go back and look at him i mean right he made 30 starts last year right and he made he made <laughs> you know 24 the year before that and he made 30 the year before that so like this is just like the shoulder thing is just a thing it's just it's just part of who he is and his you know his velocity isn't really that much off of his career norms, really, maybe maybe like a mile an hour. So, I think Johnny's is good, and I think you can get a decent return for him. But I don't really know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, any any speculation about trade returns or trade ideas from from this side of the the uh, experience 
this side being not in a major league front office, you know, it's, uh, it's always tough, but, but yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I, with Nice, I kind of go back uh, when Fister, not not Fister, sorry, uh, when Porcello signed his contract with the Red Sox, and everybody loved it for the Red Sox, or, or many people loved it for the Red Sox, and said, "Really, I I, I, I did not like that deal at all. No, like, no, it was I, a lot of money. <laughs> it, I I was absolutely like, on the same page as you. Uh, yeah. Four for eighty. Right, it was like yeah. four for eighty. Yes, yeah, and and you know one thing a lot of people kept coming back to was that, well, oh, he's young, he's twenty six, and yes, he had made it to the big leagues at a, at a young age, but you know, at that point, at that age, he and John Neese were not that unsimilar. You know, uh, they're uh, they like at that point in their careers. Right. Yeah, and, and I don't know. When when he signed his deal, I think the Mets did get, you know, acknowledgement that that was a relative bargain. You know, none of the guaranteed years were worth that much for what major league starting pitchers get paid. Um, you know, and then even the option years aren't expensive by major league standards. Uh, you know, if, if, if Bronson Arroyo can get a salary around 10 or 12 million a year in his late 30s, you know, John Neese at seven, nine, ten million is you know, that—that's really not that bad. But it—I'm it, just getting to the point that you brought up that, that you know a contract that was seen as a bargain now kind of feels like a burden. Um, maybe a little bit of that is just that. I think it, I think it, the only reason it feels like a burden is because Mets, you know, because 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 Will Ponds, because right, exactly. Because you know, when you think about it, it's really not that much money for a guy who's you know. When he's on his form, he's a number f- you know, four starter. Right. He's better than John uh, Dylan G, and he could absolutely help a team. So, I'd be interested to see what other teams think about him uh, in terms of trade value. I mean, I know, I know, in the off season, you were able to trade him for Jose Reyes. Am I right? Oh yes, yeah, that, is, <laughs> that was a good callback. I would do that right now. Yeah, I would. Yes. 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 And, and and not let's not forget Jimmy Rollins. Uh, I would fully support acquiring Jimmy Rollins just for the reactions. Oh my god, that would uh, that would not go over well with uh, Mets Slump, Twitter. Slump, yeah, slumping <laughs> Jimmy Rollins at City Field. I feel like Mets fans could show Philadelphia something about booing. Uh, it, it would be. It would be, yeah, it would be really bad. Talk about a guy you wouldn't feel bad booing who's on your own team. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not generally, a, you know, a supporter of, of, of that. But No, uh, no. But <laughs> in that case, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like you would want to troll him and boo him when he did good things and then <laughs> cheer him when he screws cheer up. Cheer him when he does, yeah. That would be excellent. You know, just to just to screw, uh, you got to mess with him a little. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Jimmy freaking Rollins. Right. Yeah. I, hey, bring back the Jimmy Rollins. Bring bring that back every time he makes an error. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I don't. Uh, I don't. I do not want to have Jimmy Rollins on the team. 
Yeah, you know, and I know, I know, I'm coming in here as the defender of old players. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he probably bounces back a little bit. It's not like he's been, you know, two, a couple of years ago he had a pretty below average season as a hitter. Um, you know, but for a shortstop, in middle of the pack, maybe even slightly above average, since hitting is so terrible at the at the position. But uh, but yeah, I, I think he probably bounces back a bit, but. He's not I, – I don't know if his combination of offense and defense really does that much. Yeah, I don't think it moves the needle too much for the, for this team, even with Tejada or Flores or whoever's playing short. Right, yeah. There's a. It's reasonable to expect for the rest of the season that Ruben Tejada and Jimmy Rollins could hit uh, – About the same-ish. Right. Rollins will hit more home runs, no, yeah. no question. But, you know, I, as an overall hitter – Probably not going to be that difference. Yeah, not at this point. I don't know. Rollins is thirty six. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I think I think that about wraps up the uh, recent Mets stuff. Yeah. Portion of of the podcast, and we um, we've. Reverse roles. Uh, you get a lot of me this week, and a lot of Greg, and you get a little bit of Jeff, who is currently traveling the country, watching the lowest levels in the Mets minor league system uh, to to see what's out there. And he started out in Kingsport, and uh, there was some really impressive stuff that he saw. So we'll cut over to him here. Uh, we're calling it the Kingsport Report. <laughs> because why not? And uh, when we get back from Jeff, we'll get into uh, the emails. Salutations, Mets fans. It's your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. Calling in, I guess, sort of, from his hotel room in Johnson City, Tennessee, about to take off for Savannah, Georgia. But since I'm off this week, I thought I would check in with you guys out there and give you my Kingsport report. Of course, I came here last year as well, saw Luis Guillorme, Wilmer Becerra, Eudor Garcia, Blake Taylor, among others. Pretty good roster for a short-season rookie ball team. But I can say safely, after uh, spending three days watching this team, that the 2016 edition, or 2015 edition, blows away last year's uh, in terms of talent top to bottom, both high-end and depth. Uh, after a couple of looks at both of them, I'm on the fence on whether... Uh, Luis Carpio or Rafael Ramirez is the best prospect on this team, but they're both excellent players. Uh, Ramirez is probably the guy in the end. He's a true center field profile. Uh, a scout nearby was comping him to Curtis Granderson, young Curtis Granderson, sort of in, in swing and look, and that's aggressive, but I can kind of see it. Uh, I think there'll be real power there, uh, real game power there in the end. Uh, he's a small guy. He's listed at uh, 5'11", 185, and he's maybe 5'11 in cleats, but he walked by me, and uh, he's maybe got 20, 25 pounds on me. So, yeah, 185, not so much. But I think he'll uh, he'll fill out nicely. Uh, very sort of square, broad shoulders, uh, just really skinny legs. And he runs well. He's got speed to burn, even if he does add, add mass, which I think he will. Um, he hit a couple of triples, uh, stuff to the warning track, one to dead center, one in the uh, 
right center field power alley. So there's real game power there. It's going to come. I think eventually turn into some over the fence power. He can run. He can play center. The arm needs work, but there's things you can fix there. You know, all in all, anytime you can see a guy and put a, a major league grade on him in this league, it's impressive. It's cool. And uh, Ramirez is both of those things. And I think there's a little bit of a floor there too. Um, you know, I think he's a major leaguer, which again I don't generally say about dudes in the appy. You know, I, it's something I wouldn't have said about even Wilmer Becerra last year. You know, I think he's a fifth at worst. He does struggle with left-handers. He's a lefty. You know, left-on-left pitching. He doesn't pick it up well. He's kind of lunging at stuff away. But, you know, he's 19. Uh, he hasn't seen even Appy League quality lefties, and the Bluefield team had, I think their entire pitching staff was left-handed. It was really weird. Um, I think there were like two righties that came in out of the pen for the entire series, and they used a few relievers, both teams, really. Um, so he has some trouble with that, and you wonder... Is that something that's a long-term issue? Again, hasn't seen it. There could be something, maybe he's more of a platoon fourth, but I think there's a, there's real major league value there. I was impressed. Uh, Luis Carpio is a different kind of player. Uh, he's only 17. Probably can't play shortstop. Uh, I saw him at shortstop on Sunday. And, you know, he's very smooth in the field. The actions are okay. It's just, you know, going to the backhand, the transfer, you know, having to make throws deep in the hole. Can he play there once a week? Maybe. But it's more of a second base profile, which means he's always going to be underrated. But he's, uh, I've used this comp with a few people so far. He's like one of those guys the Rangers just seem to always spit out. Uh, and I'm not comping him to guys like uh, Ruggie Odor and Luis Sardinius, but just he's just a baseball player. And no, not in the Michael Kadire way. Um, he's got a very advanced hit tool for a 17 year old in the Appy League. You know, he can he can track and stay with sliders. He works gap to gap. And he's another guy where I think, again, you kind of have to say about almost anybody at this level, some actual game power will come in the future. Um, he's got a thick lower half. I think he'll add a little more strength. And the ball already jumps off his bat a little bit. Uh, you know, he can barrel a ball. He's going to hit line drives. Uh, he's a captain in the infield. Just He does everything well. Again, it's not a huge upside guy. But, again, at this level, to be able to put a major league grade, even as sort of like a, you know, a roll five second division starter at second base type, um, you know, you're happy to see that. The arms were a little <laughs> shaky. I didn't get to see a lot of them, as you might have heard on a Friday night. King Sports manager, uh, Luis Rivera, forgot to put any, I shouldn't say that, forgot to put every single reliever on the staff other than uh, Nabil Krismat on his lineup card. So I got to see a lot of position players pitching, which is fun the first time, not so much the, when the third guy comes in. Actually, they may have used four. I'll have to go back to my notes. I'm going to do a full write-up on all the position players pitching, because I'm going to get something out of that night. Uh, but the party piece here is Harold Gonzalez, who retired the first 24 batters he faced on Sunday. The game ended 8-7, because again, it's the Appy League. Uh, so sometimes you'll see a guy really sort of shove at this level, and there's not much there. You know, he's got, like, a fringy slider. You know, he's 88 to 90, but can spot a slider. And that's that's usually enough at this level. But Gonzalez has some real stuff. You know, I don't put present-day average grades on secondary pitches in the low minors, really even in A-ball. Um, but if I was going to do it, you could make a case. You could write up his changeup as a present-day five. I don't think I'm going to. We'll see how I feel. But it's a very, very advanced changeup. Uh, he can 
spot it in the zone. He can run it away from guys. He can bury it. It looks just like the fastball out of the hand. It's um, it's going to be if it isn't already a major league quality pitch. And he has some feel for the breaking ball, too. It's a little slurvy. Uh, he plays with the shape. I don't know if he's actually playing with the shape or just doesn't always come out all that consistently. But there's some feel there. You know, he can get some, some late tilt on it. I think with further refinement, again, another major league offering. Uh, the fastball was a little down from his first start. Uh, scouts nearby had him at 90-92 opening day. He was more 88-90 to 90 for me, touch 91. Um, but it's coming out of a guy who is, I think, 5'10", 140. The scout next to me had him at 5'11", 150, so somewhere in that range. It's He's he's tiny. He's got like the mini Pedro Martinez thing. He clearly grew up idolizing Pedro. He's got a little curly fro. He's got a little wispy stash. But he's also got a pretty good changeup. No, it's not a Pedro changeup, because there is no such thing as a Pedro changeup in the minors, or really in the majors at this point. But it's a very good changeup. He's got a little bit of that rig to him, if you if you will. You know, A couple guys tried to bunt on him in the seventh when he had the perfect game going. Um, and <laughs> after he struck out the last guy in the seventh with a really nasty changeup, he had some words for the Blue Jays' dugout on the way back to uh, his own. And, you know, the series was punchy a little bit in general, but I like to see that. I'm not going to lie. I, I want to see my starting pitcher own it a little bit, and he did that. So I think he'll get a little more fastball velocity. He doesn't hold it in the games right now. Again, he's very small, though there's not a ton of effort in the delivery, at least not early in the game. Later in the game, when he was sort of tiring. There was a little bit more uh, sort of the head jerk and the arm tra- trailing kind of stuff that you'll see when a when a guy that age is tiring. But if he's more consistently 90-92, if he adds a little bit of strength, I don't think he's ever going to be huge, obviously. Uh, you know, it's a guy with three potential major league pitches. Again, if you if you can put a you know a number four starter grade on a guy at this level, that's pretty damn cool. And the looks you're going to enjoy the look. He's going to be a fun guy. He's a guy that's again the, the worst case scenario. He's going to pitch in Double A. There's enough stuff there, and enough command there right now that he'll get to Double A. So I guess the biggest prospect on this team, at least name wise, would have been Milton Ramos, the Mets' third round pick last year. Um, and he, look, he's a good prospect. Um, he's a, he's a major league shortstop eventually. It's just a little, the, the shortstop tools, I think were a little overblown. It's a little raw right now. He likes to play everything to the backhand. The arm isn't really a plus arm. You know, he has some trouble making throws deep in the hole, you know, relays from 20 feet up, 20 feet up out, out on the outfield grass were a little lollipopped, you know, a little high, just not enough. You know, you want to see that that really, really strong, tight, you know, sort of waist-high throw to the catcher from there, and he just couldn't quite make all the throws. Now, he's he's knows what he's doing out there. The actions are good. He's he's a natural shortstop. I just think every, he's not a great runner either. He's like an average runner. It's just everything's a little, you know, it's not a, I'm not throwing like a future six on him as a, as a shortstop glove. And I think that was sort of his hype coming out of uh, high school in the draft. I do think, I like the bat a little bit. I think there's some uh, power there eventually. You know, he's strong for his size. The ball jumps off the bat. You know, he's got more sort of present-day game, I think, than someone like Carpio. So there's enough there where, yeah, maybe it's a, maybe more of a utility guy in the future, but and there's a lot to like there, I think. Otherwise, uh, you know, Dash Winningham, I know, 80 name, obviously. Uh, again, about what you'd expect not a great body, a little rough around first, so he's good around the bag, 
when he has got to kind of wander away from the bag to make plays, it was a little shaky. Um, he's a strong hit. I mean, the ball, again, there's some easy plus raw there. And he's got a little more feel for, like, the bat head control than I expected. I expected kind of like a one-tool power masher guy. But he stays with off-speed stuff pretty well. Um, and he's strong enough, again, that if he gets fooled, he can do something with it. I do think he's vulnerable right now to sort of fringy fastballs above the hands. He'll chase up, which, again, you know, he's a first full professional season. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill a kid for that. I think he can make some adjustments there. You know, I'm not giving him a full write up. I think there's you know, is it just a good org guy? Is it sort of a platoon bench bat at the major league level? I don't know. I need to see more from him against better pitching before I really make that determination. Another guy I liked, Arnaldo Barrios. He played mostly right field in this look, switch hitter. Another guy that's kinda of small framed young kid. I think he's nineteen as well. Yeah, you hope he's going to add a little mass. But the thing about him, and this might be why I'm, I think maybe he's better than he actually is. He's got a little Javier Baez to him. He's got like the, the little waggle, a little bat waggle, a little back and forth on the foot. He like he doesn't have Javier Baez's bat speed, but <laughs> not so much. But he, uh, you know, he barrels. He hits the barrel of the bat on the ball. You know, he goes. He works back up the middle really well. He can, he can yank balls to pull side every once in a while. I, you know, there's some... It's worth a guy worth keeping an eye on. You know, he's going to play in the upper minors, even if he's just one of those uh, guys the Mets always seem to spit out that can, you know, play right field, run a little, throw a little, and pop one every once in a while. Sort of the Raul Reyes, uh, AOD Pina model. And again, you're talking about the Happy League. If the double-A bench bat, that's uh, that, that's cool. You don't even see that that often. Um, you know, obviously, we'll have full reports on the... Uh, the main four guys I just named, some notes on some of the relievers I saw, both position player and otherwise, and guys like Dash Winningham and uh, Berrios coming in the next couple weeks. It's <laughs> I've got a lot of reports to write, let's put it that way. But as for now, I'll, I'll hand you guys back over to the loving embrace of Greg Karam and Chris McShane. I'm going to go get some Krispy Kreme and head off to Savannah, and I'll see you next week. Welcome back, everyone. So Jeff, as we had said, had some good things to say, some exciting things in Kingsport, some wackiness with relief pitcher usage or non-usage. Uh, but this is Amazing Avenue Audio, episode 125. Uh, actually, Greg, I forgot we didn't name the episode, but I was going to go with the first player to wear 25 for the Mets, Frank Thomas. Not that Frank Thomas, but <laughs> another Frank Thomas. Um I don't know. I, I I feel like the numerical references are harder to make at this point. So I just went with with that. That seemed like a good one. That that works. That works. Unless there's like some kind of med out there who has had 125 RBI season, which I seriously doubt. I think that's a good name. I'll I'll I will take that compliment. I will also open the play index because this is the podcast and. <laughs> You always get to listen to us on the play index at least once. This is not this is not effectively wild. <laughs> we do not have a sponsorship from the play index, but we do go there all the time. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think my favorite part of the play index is it never remembers your login. <laughs> so you you all get to hear this, but uh, 125 RBIs for the New York Mets. Exactly. Nope. Nobody's ever done exactly that. <laughs> Guys have done above that, obviously. 
but no, it is not very often though. Actually, mm-hmm. hold on. What what is the Mets record for RBIs? Honestly, a, I don't know. <laughs> it's a stat I just I, I cared about ten years ago, and you know, not so much anymore. Yeah, it's not and something it's, I pay attention to too much. That's probably right. Uh, exciting radio. Wow, the the club record. You know, Wait, the the, cl- you know one twenty four. Yes, twice. Piazza and Wright. <laughs> That's funny. We missed an opportunity last week. If only either one of them had known that they could have had a podcast in twenty fifteen. Uh, here you go. Named after them. The single season leader in walks is John Olrud in 1999. He had 125. Okay, that is excellent. <laughs> Frank Thomas, you're out. We're sorry. John Ol- <laughs> the John Olrud walks episode. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the emails, time for housekeeping. Amazing Avenue Audio is the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. You can find us on the internet at AmazingAvenue.com. No G, just the Amazons. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Or like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Amazing Avenue. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes. You can search for it there, subscribe, rate it. I know that's something that Jeff has been asking you to do, so I'm going to ask you to do it too. Uh, you can find us on the Stitcher app. You can download directly at Blog Talk Radio, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash Amazing Avenue. Or you can listen when we post it on the site. There's the embedded player. You can hear it there. Works well. Honestly, that, that that's probably my preferred way to do it. Um, yeah. I'm your host, Chris McShane. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris McShane. Uh, my co-host this week is Greg Karam. You can follow him on Twitter at Greg Karam. Uh, joining us from Kingsport was your regular host, Jeff Paternostro. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Paternostro. Uh, now we're going to go on to your emails. As always, you can email us, podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. And our first email this week is from Adam, who says, Hosts, if the Mets lose enough games consecutively, uh, th- this email came in, during the losing streak. Uh, if they lose enough games consecutively, will it force the hand of ownership slash Sandy slash MLB? Is it wrong to root for negative results if you think it is all too far gone? How many losses in a row without any substantial moves would it take for, ugh, never mind, sorry, thanks, whatever? <laughs> Things are never as bad as your last loss, <laughs> Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I did, to address the, the main question, uh, forcing the hand of ownership MLB is the, it's just not going to happen. You know, I, I, yep. I get, I guess I could see a scenario where maybe Alderson would be on the hot seat, but I don't even see that. You know, it's, it, it's so much the status quo. I don't see them firing anyone like with a contract. Well, yeah, that right. And they, they, re, they extended Alderson, you know, right. I, I don't think I don't think there's any change coming there. And then in in terms of forcing Alderson's hand, you know, in terms of um, acquiring players to help 
I think that ultimately comes back to ownership and MLB is not going to do anything about ownership. You know, that that's been pretty clear from the previous to the current commissioner. There's just not, you know, I get it. I get the wishful thinking that people have uh, all the time, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, as far as, is it wrong to root for negative results? If you think it has all gone too far? I mean, we've been doing that the last few years when we were rooting for them to get in the top 10 so that they would have a protected, uh, you know, protected pick so that they could sign a free agent. But I think we're all a little naive in that regard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Except not, except not because they signed two tendered free agents the last two years. Yeah, no, no, that they did. Um, I mean, that that to me was the most surprising part of the Kadire signing. Uh, oh, yeah, it was terrible. Just the, you know, and I, I, uh, I wasn't as worried about his health or performance, you know, as, as some people were at the time. Uh, the funny thing with him is that the health is held up, but... <laughs> yeah, I hated the move because pick and because you know he's older because health i thought but i still thought he would hit and not to get too sidetracked again we've talked about kadire but god it's just not good so far yeah yeah and that, that that's true but uh yeah we did get sidetracked <laughs> so we'll move on to the next email and, and adam we just to finish that off, I guess we root for a team that is owned by the Wilpons. Uh, we root for a team that most likely will be owned by the Wilpons uh, for the foreseeable future. You know, ten years down the road, does somebody come in and blow them away and just pay an absurd amount of money? You know, say the team has some success, as hard as that might be to imagine and the value gets inflated and somebody comes in and, and says, you know, here, here's a boatload of money. Maybe, but I don't know. If I had a bet, I think they, they still, the family still owns the team. Well, yeah, well down the road. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, they'll always own the team. Any, anybody that you hate or like dislike very strongly, they, they stick around forever. <laughs> so our next email comes from Aki who says, hey guys, I feel like no one's talking about a significant Mets financial development that has interesting implications. David Wright has missed more than 60 games, and according to sources, his contract is insured for 75% of any further missed time. This probably gives the Mets significant contract relief going forward this year, right? That also gives the Mets some perverse incentive to keep David out for the rest of the year as well, or at least make sure he is out for as long as required to get to 100% health. It's an interesting quirk, it may not be too important because Wright could be back relatively soon, but just wondering what your thoughts on it were. Thanks, Aki. So, Greg, are the are the Mets conspiring to not pay David Wright? Of course not. Of course not. You think about all the – I mean, that money has already been allocated. They're already willing to spend that. Alderson is like, are you kidding me? I, 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 I don't – he doesn't get any savings, I don't think. I don't think he's going to be able to take that savings, repackage it up, and, and spend it someplace else. I feel like if there was any spendings, it would be repackaged up and put into their Wilpon's pockets. But realistically, they're not they're not holding him out to get extra money. They everybody wants David on this team. They're 
they're three games over 500. David Wright would be would help a lot, and there's no way that they're intentionally holding him back so that they could uh, save a couple bucks. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think the thing is with this, uh, if there's a front office version of Fangraphs, right, or mm-hmm. Baseball Reference or whatever, whatever database they have internally that's about other teams' players, you know, uh, and you set the filters, all right, we need a guy whose contract expires at the end of the year, you know, say David Wright – just roughly, let's say they save, I don't know, five to ten million on his salary this season. So you filter it down for guys with expiring contracts who make in that range of money, uh, and and you actually can acquire from another team who might not be willing to give them up yet. I I think that's a lot more difficult to find that guy than it is to say, hey, David Wright can play baseball. Yeah. Yeah, especially when the other team, uh, you know, is aware of David Wright's absence. You know, not, nothing would be better for the Mets leverage in a trade, I think, than David Wright at least, you know, on a rehab assignment. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a week or two into baseball activity with no setback. Right, they wouldn't be as desperate. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I I, I get it. I get the. I get the thought behind the email, but uh, but yeah, they they want to take some of that extra money and blow through the July two, you know, market. That would be fun, but they're not going to do that either. Yeah, I mean, the good news is that they have at least generally, and and Jeff is more the expert on this than me, but they've at least generally spent to their limits in the draft and that market. Oh yeah. You'd have yeah. to say that it's been it's been fairly successful. You know their strategy. I mean, all you have to do is look at a guy like you know Yon Mankata, or and you know, they, they uh, the Red Sox spent like thirty five million on him, and he's he's not been you know doing so well. Um, the Dodgers have done that a couple of times, blown through it, and just the Mets have a clear strategy when it comes to that international market. It's just to just get a bunch of guys, you know, get some big guys, but then but do it every year and don't go over so that you can do it again next year. And so far, it's worked out pretty well. You got uh, Ahmed Rosario up to show for it. Yeah. Uh, so our, our next email is from Michael. <clears throat> he says, hello, gents. I'm dumbfounded as to how Ruben Tejada was somehow or has somehow weaseled his way back into this lineup yet again. I firmly believe that Terry Collins is number one priority as manager. <laughs> it's to prove all of us, prove to all of us that Ruben Tejada is an everyday player. Everything else is secondary. Dilson Herrera should be in there playing every day. He hit 350 and 370 in his last two years in the minors. Does he have to hit 500 until he's proven that he's ready for the bigs? Terry is supposedly this great player development guy, yet he always puts his prospects in the most pre- precarious situations, such as playing them sporadically, batting them eighth or ninth, etc. He then gives the player two weeks and then throws up his hands when they inevitably flounder. Again, I don't understand why this guy is at the helm of a team almost entirely composed of young players. Ruben Tejada hit 200, had a nice week, and now he batted 225 in the two weeks since. How how is how he is inserted in the everyday lineup? 
on a team starving for runs, batting second no less makes zero sense. Give me Flores and Reynolds, Tovar, or Herrera any day. Thoughts? Fan as always, Mike. I get it. I yeah. mean, Ruben Tejada is who he is. You know, I mean, the, 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 I think somehow he might still be a little bit underrated by Mets fans, but that that's just because I think there's some segment of Mets fans who think designating him for assignment and just or and or releasing him is, you know, the, the most beneficial thing to the team. Um, and he, he the the hitting line has come down as expected. But as we were talking about earlier with Jimmy Rollins, uh, he's still been a better hitter than Jimmy Rollins this year. Yeah, Tejada is a guy who, he's not a black hole. He can play some defense, and he can give you a little on base. So he's a guy who has a little bit of value. I mean, the fact that you don't, it's not ideal that he's a starter. Um I don't necessarily. I don't know if t- playing Dilson Herrera every day is the right move. Uh, it sure is like the aesthetic move for me. I, I'd like to just watch him play and see if he can get better. But you know, when he's hitting that one ninety five, he's having trouble. He's having a struggle. And are, you know, are you going to dedicate how many at bats do you want to dedicate to a guy to see if he's going to figure it out this year, uh, right now? You know, and as far as as far as Reynolds is concerned. I have no problem bringing Reynolds up and replacing Campbell with him because you know, at least at least Reynolds has a glove that that will play at three of the infield positions. You know, I I, I can't understand why Campbell still remains on the club when he can't play defense and he's not hitting at all. Yeah, that that's a bizarre one to me, but. Uh... Yeah, with Tahada, I mean, I I get it. He's been around, you know. He's been around for a long time. He debuted very young, showed a little bit of promise, fell off. Um, but you know, he he is a shortstop. He is not Andrelton Simmons, but he is a shortstop. So, I guess to me, the frustrating thing there is playing a shortstop at shortstop every day. That that's more. That's more of an issue. Uh, I think then, you know, whether or not Tejada is playing one of those positions. And I, I would much rather see Dilson Herrera play uh, personally just because I think that future is bright. But Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> I, 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 as much as we like to joke about Terry Collins' uh, tendencies, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think he is trying to field the team that, either prevents or scores runs at the best rate. Hey, I've, I've come around on Terry Collins. I really like Terry Collins and I don't think he deserves to get fired. Even if his team falls off a cliff, like he's doing the best with what he can with this hand that he's been dealt. And people want to complain about the lineup construction or, or he took out to Grom and Gil Martin gave up a double. I mean, He's doing the best that he can. He's in the clubhouse. I don't really see anything too wrong with Terry Collins. Rob would be proud. <laughs> he would. He would be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rob, uh, he's out there somewhere. Yeah, if you're out there listening, send us a signal. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that gets us to our next email, which is short and sweet. 
and makes a couple of misspelling references that we uh, so often enjoy on Twitter. It's promote, you know how it's spelled, comfort-o, or comfort-o, however you want to pronounce that. It's from Benny, who says, is it time? Would they ever sit Kadir and relegate him to a bench bat to make room? More, M-O-A-R, bats. Although more wasn't entirely capitalized, so I got it. I got it. You know, that's only an A. It's not an A plus. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I did. I'm going to defer. Uh, came up a bit last week on the podcast. Uh, Jeff spoke about it sort of at length. He's spent time, uh, you know, sitting on Binghamton. Uh, he's seen some Conforto this year. Wrote him up on the site recently. Um. And just sort of paraphrasing, I, I recommend listening to his full answer from last week, but to paraphrase what he was saying, you know, anything could happen in, in a couple hundred plate appearances, but there's no guarantee that he would be a massive upgrade over Kadir or, you know, and I think some people might have wanted him in there for Granderson uh, until Granderson started really hitting this month. So... Yeah, I'll go with that. And I, I, you know, I haven't seen Conforto in person yet this year. Um, but I, I think generally just watch, you know, kind of looking at things from afar, uh, I, I would be inclined to agree with Jeff. You know, tearing up double A does not necessarily mean he can step into the majors and give you more in the short term. You know, if Kadir continues to hit 150 or whatever – for the next three months, then yeah, he could probably do better than that. But well, look from my perspective, if if I don't necessarily yet want to replace Kadir with Conforto, uh, maybe if he he continues to go down, uh, continues to trend in the way that he is. But if one of the corner outfield guys goes down, um, I don't see how you cannot call up Conforto. Because there's no one else. You know, who, who are you going to bring out there? Um, are you going to call back up Kirk? Right. I mean, we've seen that before. You know, I mean, Conforto will give you a professional bet. And I don't know. I'm excited about him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm on board with that, I think. You know, I, I don't – I still have a concern – about rushing him to to just address a need, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully nobody gets hurt, and hopefully the discussion remains. You know, whether or not to stick with the guy who's there now, or bring up Conforto to, to right. take Kedire, over the job. Kadir is going to bounce back. You know, he's gonna he's gonna trend up. Uh, he's not going to be a two ninety nine on base guy the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So it's, I mean, I get it. And, and you know, like we said earlier, the offense has still not been, they've won four in a row. Uh, they, they've done it by pitching and, you know, uh, and, and preventing runs in general. Uh, I, I didn't see enough of the recent games to know, you know, how good the defense was, but it was good enough that they, you know, didn't seem to get crucified. Yeah. So, uh yeah, it, it, in time, you know, I think 
later this year, if Conforto is still doing what he's done, you know, even if you're looking at a September call-up, you know, if the Mets are still in it and he comes up, that that would be a uh, it'd be tough not to play him. But yeah, I'm still a little bit on the air on the side of patience with with the guys at Double A. That's fair. But uh, that gets us to our final email, part of which we can address, and part of which speaks to Jeff and Cocktail, neither of whom are here. <laughs> uh, and this is from Mike. So, Mike, we will we will see if Jeff can address the cocktail part of this in the future. But we'll talk about the baseball part. So, Mike writes, "We're all big fan of <laughs> we're all big fans of trades around here." So here's one for you. Of the five current Mets young pitchers, Thor, Harvey, Mats, Wheeler, and DeGrom, who would you be most open to trading and why? If the return was an equally young, controllable bat, such as Addison Russell or Chris Bryant. My thought is Harvey, because he's the closest to arbitration and the most likely to leave a Boris client and the Wilpons have no money. If the Mets could trade Harvey for Bryant, would you make that move? What would be the return for someone like Harvey? It has to be enormous. What about the other young pitchers? To be clear, I'm just trying to think outside the box on how to improve this offense. Uh, maybe it makes sense to trade the piece that would give you the most in return because you know you now have enough good young pitching that the step down in pitching is not as great as the leap up in offense. Ultimately, we're talking the step from your fifth best starter to your sixth best because you still have the rest of your great rotation in place. Thanks. Mike and the PS says he went to Four Roses in Kentucky. It was his least favorite of the distilleries he went to. Whoa! And uh, Jeff's Ma- not going to be happy. Makers was the best. Tribe Makers Forty Six. It's really good. So uh, yeah, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> but uh, I know that I know that Jeff loves Four Roses, so he's not going to be happy with that. Yeah, we we will try to get him to talk about it next week. Uh, but yeah, Greg, who 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 are you trading? Well, what, I guess it's the two parts: Harvey for Bryant, yes or no, and then and then who who do you look to trade? So I I think that um, I don't I don't think I do Harvey for Bryant. I think I want a bigger return than that because you're talking about a guy who is a bona fide like Cy Young candidate. Um, probably probably going to be a Cy Young candidate year in year out. Uh, as long as his UCL um, remains healthy. And comparing that to a guy, Chris Bryant, who has a ton of potential, um, and but part of his outlook is, is projection. There's still projection there. I mean, this is a guy who strikes out 30% of the time, and you know, he's probably you know, he's got some contact issues. Um, I just think that the fact that Harvey is a known commodity – He's an ace. He's a number one bona fide ace. Uh, it's gonna for me. It's gonna need to bring back a guy. You want to give me Chris Bryant, and you want to give me something else. You know, th- then we can talk. But just straight up, mm, I, I think I'm gonna hang on to Harvey. I think I can get a bigger package for him. Uh, as far as which pitcher I'm most willing to trade, I mean, you know, I'd be willing to trade Wheeler, but you know, he's he's on the he's recovering from UCL so it's Tommy John so it's not going it's not realistic so I don't want to I don't really want to trade Harvey 
he's like a number one. DeGrom's pitching like a number one. So then the question is if I want to trade either Syndergaard or Mats. And I, you know, it, it's been it's been a topic, hot topic conversation the last couple of days. Is you know who's better, Syndergaard or Mats? And I mean they're very comparable in both ways, in a lot of ways. Um, maybe I'd probably trade Mats just because he's had a Tommy John, and Syndergaard hasn't. So um, that would be my tiebreaker, I guess. I, I I mean of all those guys, I'd rather trade Mats because he's not, he's not a proven commodity yet. Um, I think he's going to be really good, but that's the guy I'd probably trade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Wheeler is the, uh, definitely the easy answer just because he's out right now. I mean, I was high on him coming into the season. I really thought that he had shown us something late last year. Uh, you know, I, I think back in spring training, uh, Again, don't believe in curses, but I think I tweeted something nice about him and how I thought he'd be better than Negron this year, and then he had a Tommy John <laughs> diagnosis like a week later. Yeah, I own a Wheeler jersey. <laughs> really? I do. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. You know how to mark the top? I'm sure you have a David Wright jersey too. Ah, uh, do I? <laughs> no, I don't, no, I don't think I do. Oh, okay. And I've been I've been a jersey guy. I haven't been able to commit to a jersey financially. It's a big commitment. Yeah, it's. I mean, one, if you're going to get a jersey, you got to get one that looks nice. And two, uh, man, you just never know. I, I guess yeah. D- David Wright seemed like the safest jersey pick, and he still would be if you're going to buy one today. But yeah, that's why if I was going to get a jersey, I'd get one of a of a retired player, just because. That guy's a Met. You know, he was a Met, and you don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to go f- too far down this this hole, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I recently during the last Ranger season, bought a Carl uh, Hagelin shirt. He's not a Ranger anymore, so you know. And uh, hockey jerseys are expensive, man. Well, yeah. Well, t- it was a T-shirt again. Ah, uh, a T-shirt. Oh, so yes. Okay. Yeah, I guess hockey. I've learned my lesson. You know the. the I still have a Lundquist, but I have a couple others that, uh, you know, players who are not on the team anymore. And yeah. it, like it, when you're not, when they're not far enough removed, you can't, you can't wear that. No, you can't. You, you know, can't. you show up wearing a Messier at the garden. Awesome. Yeah, everybody, nobody's going to say anything bad about that, but. Right. But as a devil's fan, I'm not going to wear a Kovalchuk jersey to a game. Yeah. No, it's just, it's... No. <laughs> Maybe maybe wear his KHL jersey. To yeah, the game. Then that <laughs> that'd be a nice troll move. Yes, it would be. And uh, the, Eric, Eric is a fellow Devils fan. There for you. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I've seen that. Robots. We, bo- robots. we both grew up in jerseys, so there you go. <laughs> I was going to make a joke that robots have a thing for the Devils, but uh, that that's just about him. Yeah, I can confirm I am not a robot. Someday we'll get Eric to confirm. But until then, uh, I, I guess I should probably finish my answer to the question. I got sidetracked again. Uh, if it's not Wheeler of the four, man, I don't know. I mean, I think I I, I have to do the same and go with uh, either Cindergard or Matt's. Um, 
kind of a coin flip between the two of them. Look, all these guys have immense trade value right now, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if John Neese is being considered by other teams, is like, all right, maybe he can maybe he can help us. You know, he hasn't been great, but you know, we can we can afford the contract without any issue. I feel like that's like every other team in the league. Uh Yeah. But, you know, if he's somebody who might be appealing, then any one of these other guys would be extremely appealing. Um and you know, and you, you saw it with Arroyo that it is not impossible for a guy to get traded when he's out because of Tommy John. But I mean, he was traded because of the uh, the fact that the Diamondbacks could save money and essentially sell, you know, one of their recent high draft picks to the Braves. Uh, and I, I can see the Braves liking the idea of Arroyo next year. You know, assuming he's back. But if not, they, they got to just get a guy in the minors and all they had to do was really pay Bronson Arroyo some money. So, yeah. so that's that's definitely not the scenario with Wheeler. No. You know, and, and I can't see like where I just can't see a team giving up what it would take. You know, I think he's worth more to the Mets uh looking ahead to next year than, than he would be to another team. You know, Wheeler for but, Wheeler for Carlos Gomez. Who says no? Hmm, that's a good one. I, I think. Uh, I I would think that the. Uh, I still I think the Brewers say no. Hmm. That's interesting though. Yeah. Nice arm for them once he comes back. Yeah, yeah, and they're a team that could use pitching be a really strange connection of events if that were ever to go down, right? Like, Oh, wow. Gomez yeah. is part of the Johan trade and then, uh, you know, winds up in a place where he he comes back for the guy who they acquired in the Beltron trade. Man, that, that, that ties together like that would be wow. the ultimate it would be the ultimate uh, merger of the <laughs> Of Omar's team and Sandy's mess. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it could be, just be like a singularity. Yes. You know, actually, there's a question. If Carlos Gomez is acquired by Sandy Alderson this year, not that we expect that to happen, but if he is, is he on Omar's team or is he part of Sandy's mess? <laughs> that's. Oh man. That's that's. I mean, that's up to Mets Twitter to decide. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, if you get him back, then he's definitely Sandy's team. Sandy's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I always like the idea of a, of a team trading a guy away and then and trading to get him back. You know, Angel, yeah. Pagan, Angel Pagan, but, you know, in this case, a slightly better player. And then, yeah. you know, Pagan's been good. I'm not, I'm not saying he hasn't. But, you know, Carlos Gomez is a – he's a star. Yeah. He's a star. So with that, I think Jeff would be happy with the Gomez talk. Yeah. I think that wraps us up. Uh, I had a really strong finish planned here. Uh, (laughs) Anything else? Have we forgotten anything? Uh, I did look into IFK Gothenburg. Oh, yes. uh, But they haven't played in a few weeks. I think their last game, it looked like it was in early June. 
they won. Um, and it looks like their next game is not till early July. But I did look into it. They're at the top of the table. They lead the league in goal differential. And they're up by five points. So the, uh, the podcast curse does not extend to Swedish football. <laughs> there we go. So uh, with that, again, I'm Chris. That's Greg. Uh, thanks for listening. I think Jeff will be back next week. Uh, you'll have to tune in to find out. But, uh, but yeah, I'm sure he'll have plenty more to say about his minor league travels. Uh, I know he's he was in Kingsport on his way to Savannah. He should be there now, I think. And then uh, possibly also seeing some stuff down in Florida with the GCL Mets. So if you want some very good insight into some very deep depths of the Mets system, uh, tune in. And and there will probably be some good car stories along the way. Yeah. So, all right. There we go. That's a wrap. Greg, always a pleasure. Yep. Same, Chris.